Glory to God, isn't that just absolutely awesome? You know, we will forever be His and He will forever be ours. Now, uh, we're going to get, uh, well, first, I forgot an announcement. Gerald Prescott is starting a face to face group. Now, in all the stuff we had in our computers, you know, today and things that went wrong, we couldn't, um, you know, link that file in as well. There was just not enough time. But I will put the file up where she just introduced herself and we'll link it up to the website tomorrow so uh, that you can just see what it's all about. It's going to be on a Wednesday and it's going to be absolutely awesome. So check out the face-to-face -face group. We will share that and the next weekend we will have an introduction playing on our live webcast. Thank you so much for joining our face-to-face -face groups. It's just a place where you can just fellowship around the grace of God, where you can experience the love of God and just talk to people about the message of grace. Okay, right into the word for today. Uh, we're going to um, talk about the devastating effect of a wrong belief. The devastating effect of a wrong belief. Uh, I've got a picture that I want you guys to look at. Here it is. I'm sure uh, all you in uh, America will be familiar with this picture. Uh, Ricky Jackson was in the news not too long ago and um, you know he was released after 39 years and found innocent for the murder of Harold Franks. So this guy <coughs> um, was falsely accused of murdering a businessman. Now him and his two brothers were falsely accused and what the news says is that he is, uh, there was a young uh, boy of 12 years of age that testified against him in a court of law and on account of that testimony he was found guilty of murder. Now <clears throat> he was on death row and the state of Ohio, um, I think it was in 77 or somewhere there, declared the death penalty as unconstitutional and then he escaped death. So he was on death row taken out of death row and then all of a sudden now he, he's just into life imprisonment. 39 years later this young, well now an elder, uh, older man, a uh, middle-aged guy, went to a pastor and spoke about the grief in his heart, the guilt in his heart and told the pastor that he cannot live with himself and he needs to come out with all the truth. And then he came out with the truth and that was that um, the police basically forced him, threatened him, and told him to say these things and gave, gave the names. That's what I've read. Now, you guys newest might know, have more information. I just read up on that a little bit, and the news in South Africa just shared a little bit on that. And um, yeah, that, that, that the police, there was corruption in the police, and they forced a young boy to say something because they need to catch some murderer, and then uh, this young guy came out, and he was actually in a bus two street blocks from there when the murder occurred and he was not even at the scene. And when all of that came out and the affidavit was placed, this guy was found innocent and I think it was like $300,000 of court cases to get this guy to declare an innocent guy innocent. Now you might sit there and say, well, you know, I don't know if he's really innocent. You see, that is the problem with accusation with false accusation because how will you know because we always say where there is smoke there must be a fire 
and uh, they, you know I just don't really know some of you might say he's really innocent and uh, you know he should go free and man this is a bad thing that happened to this guy and it should never have happened to him and we feel so sorry for him the um, I mean the United States government gave him a thousand or a million dollars and everything and they will cover all these the lawyer fees and all those kind of things because this guy is actually there now innocent found innocent but you know there's always a thing of yeah, do we really know now you might say I don't know about that let's take it a bit further let's say he was caught for um, murdering a child and child abuse and uh, then there was a false witness against him he was 39 years in jail and now after 39 years in jail uh, Ricky is now found innocent and he gets his million dollars and he's so happy and then uh, two months later you see somebody's moving in next door and you find it is lo and behold Ricky Jackson he's moved in he's right living right next to you and uh, you you know you kind of you, you're just not at ease but you feel let me befriend him and you befriend him and you become good friends and uh, then one day you need a babysitter and you cannot find yourself to ask him to babysit your children why the guy's innocent he's never been guilty he was really innocent let's say this guy's really innocent but what was said about him the power of association or guilty by association because you went to jail causes your heart not to believe in him you cannot believe in him he is it, it's just as if your heart doesn't want to trust because there's been things said about him for a very long time there are people in the community that doesn't trust him there are people in the community that will not even take the facts that the lawyers has put upon the table and believe it it's like there's just an underlying doubt in your heart now imagine case upon case upon case it's been documented that not just one over a period of five or six thousand years it's been documented that a guy murders people by different people and, and he's a kind of a guy that can get upset and then murder you just because he's upset and now uh, you know there comes a man this man declares himself to be the son of God and revealing he reveals who the father really is and who God really is and everything you see there contradicts what you have heard and here comes somebody that actually declares the father he comes from the bosom of the father he comes from the belief of God he comes from the very depth of God and he declares and he reveals the father you sit with a book of documents documenting God killing and now there's one guy for a period of three years and he declares that God is a life giver and he's willing to take the death that kills you onto him and die it away and give you an opportunity to live and then even after this Jesus goes to heaven there are some people two people called Ananias and Sapphira and now they even died and it's written God killed them that's the kind of a scenario and the fear of the Lord came and God killed them 
Now, now you must believe that this God will provide for you, that this God will care for you financially, that this God will, will um, save you one day, and you must believe that He says, you're not saved by your works. I am the Savior of man. Don't you think it would be a little bit like, or maybe a lot, a neighbor that moved in that was in jail for 40 years on account of child abuse, then found innocent, came out, the government confirmed his innocence, and then you needing a babysitter, and you just find that, doesn't matter how hard you try, there is no faith, there is no belief in your heart. Now, I think that's what happened to many people. I want us to just watch this little video quickly. This is about a farm murder that took place in South Africa um, a while back. What happened in this case is this lady was, <clears throat> this is the, the, the mother or the grandmother, this is the grandmother. Obviously she's now the mother of her daughter and her son-in-law was murdered with, a, I think, a two-year-old baby was murdered on a farm in South Africa and let us just watch this video and look at the devastating effect that this had on this lady and then we will talk more about this. Bookie is the grandmother of Vomin Bookie as she was known. Bookie being Afrikaans, not too comfortable speaking English. Started to tell me what happened on that day. Started to tell me what happened. There was a man who knocked on her door. He told her that her son-in-law, Tati, was murdered. They found Ati outside his house, lying in a pool of blood, but they could not find Vilma and Vilmin. And the booking know where they were, and she, she didn't. And it was as if God told her to not go to the farm and go and see what's happened there. What's happened there? And then more people arrived, and then and she just knew this was not going to be good. And she just they still had the blood closed in Bookie's eyes. The blood on the clothes just told her everything. And it's like she didn't want to this. They told her that they found. They told her that they found Bilma inside the house. And she just and looked at just to the sky and she looked at us to the sky and she looked at Isn't that just devastating? God, how could you? Now, I've got nothing against this lady or anything. I'm trying to reveal to you the effect, the devastating effect of false accusation towards God, wherein God is seen as the murderer all, all of the Old Testament, even now into the New Testament, and even in the return of Jesus, He is seen as the murderer, 
wherein God says that with everlasting punishment you shall be punished from the presence of the Lord. You know, what about those verses? How should we interpret those verses? Now, this lady, you know, her children, her grandchild was brutally murdered. Now, I didn't want to play the whole clip and where they explain how she was murdered, because that is too, how they were murdered, that's too gruesome. But at the end of it all, she says, God, how could you? Now, the true murder that took place here was the murder of a loving Abba that cares for her through false accusation, through the blindness of the law, wherein we read Old Testament scriptures and not understanding what it says. Now, before we're going to look at any scripture or anything like that, I want to lay a foundation by just looking at some verses in the Bible declaring what Jesus came to do. And then I'm going to explain to you what it means in the Bible when it says God killed them. Now, I want to say this. God did kill them. Now you're going to, I don't want you to switch off now. You know, I can see there's people watching. Don't switch off. I'm going to explain to you that that interpretation, those words are correct. But if we understand what it means when the Bible says, and God killed them, we will rejoice and be so happy about those verses. For it is exceeding great news, for it declares what God has done from the beginning. And you will be so, so happy when you look at those verses, and you will love every verse in the Bible that says that. Okay, now, let us, um, let us, go, to, let us go to John chapter 1. Here it is. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. People look me in the eye. What was in the beginning with God? The Word, the Logos, the Logic was in the beginning of God, that which makes God God, the, the spirit, the logic around which God revolves, the logic from where God comes forth, was with God and that is God. Okay? The same was in the beginning with God. There we can see the Trinity. It talks about a togetherness and a withness. You get the word that is God, but it's also with God and it is God. It talks about togetherness. It talks about a union in a family. And we know that is the Trinity. Then we go on, verse 3. Uh, um, All these things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Glory to God. In whom was life, and the life that was in Him was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. Okay. The life that is inside the Word, the life that's inside the logic that God follows, which I'm not to explain today because that will take the whole service, will make you happy at the end, but (laughs) we don't have time for that. But that logic brought forth life. When that logic came and dwelt in bodily form where we could behold the God that was in the Old Testament all the time and we could see Him manifest now the darkness. In other words, the people that were living by the logic of the law could not see Him. 
they could not understand him, they could not put him inside their framework of mind, he couldn't fit in there, it was impossible, he couldn't fit into the old wineskin, he would break the wineskin, everything would be wasted, you know, so if you want to fit this Jesus into the old wineskin with the blindness of the law, it cannot, it breaks it and even the value of the law falls away. I want to tell you the law is beautiful, you're going to see it today. Verse 18, no man has seen God. Now what does it mean if the Bible says, no man has seen God? Very simple, it means no man has seen God. That's what it means. At any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, has declared Him. Now, let us have a look at the word seen there. We're going to go to that word seen there. And this is what it means. Proper, properly to stare at, that is, by implication, to discern clearly. It's like you're seeing something in the distance, or it can even be close and you're wondering what it is and you're staring at it and you're beholding it to see clearly. Okay? To discern clearly. By extension, to attend to, by Hebraism, to experience passively to appear. So what it says is, in the Old Testament, up until that day, no man not one has discerned God clearly. Not one. Okay? It goes on to say, no one has actually experienced God. But here we see the scripture says, and God blessed them, and God killed them, and God, all those things. But here, here it's clear in John, and um, he under the power of the Holy Spirit says, no man has ever understood God. Next piece. The word declare, exegiumai, where we get the word exegesis from. Which um, exegesis means to actually explain a verse, to explain something. This is, this is what it means, to lead out, to be a leader, to go before, metaphorically, to draw out in narrative. So, it means, let me tell you a story, to explain to you. God. Unfold a teaching, critical explanation or an interpretation. So what did Jesus Christ come to do? He came to declare the Father. That's what it says. Has no man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, in the heart of the Father, which comes forth from the very depth of God. He has declared Him. He has, he has drawn out in a narrative, in a story form. You could see who He is clearly. He has unfolded the teaching of the Father and everything that was written about Him. He is the critical explanation or interpretation of the Father. It, um, it means to... Uh, recount or to rehearse or to have a repetition. He is the rehearsing of everything God did in the Old Testament. Okay? He's the rehearsing of God. He's bringing forth God. 
is showing God, is giving the true interpretation of every verse. Jesus said, you behold and you look at the scriptures and you seeking life in them, but those things are talking about me. So if you want to see what every verse means, if you want to see what death means, if you want to see what the verses mean and God killed them all, if you want to see what, look at Jesus. That's what it says. It means to unfold, to declare. Used in Greek writings of the interpretation of things, secret and divine, oracles, dreams, etc. So in other words, it talks about the deeper interpretation of certain things. So here we see Jesus is the interpretation of the Old Testament. And what I said in the service just before this one, this is, this is the message. If you can see that God became a human, took away the death that kills you, carried it in his body, was raised up as a human being wherein you have a place in the Trinity from where life flows, you have understood the whole gospel, you have the correct interpretation of every verse, that is the Alpha and the Omega of it all. If you can see that God killed the lawman, if you can see God ended the lawman, if you can see God gave life to us, that we by faith can have access into this life, you know, by the grace of God and the doing of God, you have every, you've, you, you've got it all. That is it. And that is what every verse in the Old Testament points to. Okay, but now you can say, but Bertie, still you haven't explained the verses in the Old Testament. Now, I'm busy with the foundation. Remember, we have listened to a message for thousands of years wherein we believe God's the murderer. So I have to lay some foundation here. So let us just quickly recap and we get into the whole thing. Look at the lady. Look at that Ricky, that was falsely accused. Look at the lady, the devastating stuff that she was going through. Think of John chapter 1 and now the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you eat thereof you will surely die. So, when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now let's define the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was a rich, a rich young ruler, that's what we say it was. A rich young ruler came to Jesus and said to him, Good master, what should I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? For there is only one that is good and it is God. Okay. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what would that good be? The only good there is, and please just hear me out. The only good there is, is God. Don't eat of the tree. When you eat of a tree, it means you find life from that tree. Of the knowledge, the experiential knowledge or experience, of God, which is good, and evil, which means labor hard work to be a toil, annoyance, to work. Okay, so don't eat, don't believe in, that's what the word eat means, don't believe in beholding God and working God for the day you do that, you will die. That is how God 
kills. Let me explain it in another form. Imagine, I mean, I'm a preacher. Imagine I go to a local farmer here that's a good friend of mine. That is a farmer at heart. He is a farmer. He farms, and as he farms, he would give me some of his sheep. He would, you know, whenever he slaughters, he'll give me some of his sheep, or he'll give me some of his vegetables. Whatever he farms with, he'll bless me with. And I am sharing in his quality of life, meaning everything he eats, everything he does, I'm sharing in it. Okay? He is the farmer, and he is a farmer in his being. Farming is in his blood. And from that farming comes forth life for me. And whenever he has farmed and he has got a successful crop, I am sharing in that crop. And I am, in other words, a co-sharer in the victory that he has received in, in everything that he's done. Now, imagine I look at everything he's done and uh, then I come and I say, Listen, would you mind if I spend a month with you? And what I'm going to do is, I don't want to see what you are doing. And as he does everything, I jot it down. I go and I say, well, you know, say the, the farmer's name is Peter. Peter gets up at 6 a.m. I write it down. Then he goes and makes himself a cup of coffee. After the cup of coffee, what he does is he takes a shower. After that, he goes and goes to the workers that gathers at a certain place. Then he gives them the jobs to do for the day. He drives through the farm to make sure all the fences and all the gates are in order. He phones the vet to make sure that he's got medicine before the time. He is kind to his workers. He's friendly to his wife. And I jot everything down to the finest detail over one month. Now I've got the farmer the farming written down I have got the knowledge of the good here is the knowledge of the good this is the farmer this is him this is him portrayed and now what I do is I go and buy myself a piece of land and now I take the farmer and I start to farm you know what's going to happen farming is going to kill me that's what's going to happen. Farming is going to kill me. And then the farmer, when he looks at me, doing everything he does, will say, farming is killing Bertie. Or he can even go so far as to say, I'm killing him. Who I am, what I do, the passion in my heart, put in written form, doing it, is killing the man. When God says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day you eat of it you will die, when you behold God, which is the only good, and you take God and you say that I will be a partaker of divinity, I will be like the Most High by working the good in God, God, this concept of God, loving, caring, being good to people, will kill you. And we can see that if I take God and I jot Him down and I say you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. You know what I'm doing now? Doing? I'm jotting down God. 
God the, God the Son loves God the Father with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind and everything that is in it. God doesn't desire anything from anybody because what he beholds in the Father is enough. He that will never use the name of the Father in vain. Everything is God written down. If I take God and I want to do God, work God, God will kill me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, put that in your pipe and smoke it, and then you go and read the verses in the Old Testament where it says, and God killed them all. And you'll understand that God was so adamant about this message of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to tell you that beholding the good, trying to do the good, trying to follow the good, and by your own works have life, you'll be destroyed. But now you can say, but Bertie, the people in Genesis didn't try to do good. They were wicked and all those kind of things. Aha! Thank God for the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Paul said, Listen to this. The fruit of the flesh is murder, drunkenness, reveling, fighting, outbursts of wrath and all those things. That is the fruit of what? The fruit of beholding God and trying to do God. The fruit of I will have life by my own ability, observing God, observing all that is good, and then doing the good. You know what will happen? As you do that, the fruit of the flesh manifests in your life, and this is what the scripture says, that which seems to give me life killed me. Paul goes so far and he calls the holy law of God, which is God written down, which is all the attributes of God. He calls it the ministration of death written on stones. Glory to God. Amen. So God can kill you. And every time in the Old Testament we think, you know, and now in the New Testament we come with this thing, yeah, you know, God is a righteous God and because He's a righteous God, He's going to Kill those that don't want to believe in Him. He's going to keep... Listen. Listen. Let me put it this way. How can I explain? I don't have a prop here that I can do it with. Let's say here is God. In spirit. Here is the same God. But in written form. You took this God. You jotted down. You're going to do God. God will kill you. How? Through the system Paul openly, openly declared. He came and revealed a mystery. The mystery was that the way that seemed unto life was unto death. What did Adam and Eve see when they behold God and the goodness of God working every all the principles in God? It looked as if it was desirable to make one wise. And what did it do? God killed them. Another example. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Imagine I go and I tell you Okay, this is, this is me now. Please forgive me for using this example. If you are, sometimes we are so politically correct that it is sickening. You know, I like Lance Armstrong. You know, he's a good cyclist. Anybody that knows anything about cycling, you know, now you might say that you don't know what you're talking about, but that guy could cycle. Everybody used drugs then. And he was still the best of them all. If nobody used drugs, he would have still outperformed all of them. It is just the way the guy is. Now, when you behold Lance Armstrong, or let's use another example, Muhammad Ali. 
If you behold Muhammad Ali and you behold the boxing, or you behold your best football team, that football team exists and plays football. Muhammad Ali boxed. Um, Lance Armstrong cycled. When he cycled, and I was cheering him, it was as if he was riding for me. It's as if I'm inside him. If you're shouting for your football team, what happens? As they play, what are they playing? They are playing for you. But imagine now, you meet one of these great superstars, sports superstars. Uh, let's say you meet Muhammad Ali in the prime, in his prime of his life, and he, you can, he can see you admire him, and he starts to like you and when he fights you know when he's fighting so that you can share in his victory and share in his joy and share in the emotion inside of him and you be holding all of that and what Muhammad Ali does he's a boxer he's busy with boxing and you you are so focused on Muhammad Ali that you at the age of 65 decide I'm going to box I'm gonna do what Muhammad Ali does you know what? Muhammad Ali will kill you. Not in a boxing ring, but I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Boxing will kill you. God, what God means is divinity, trinity, Elohim, trinity relationship. To try and redo trinity relationship unto life by your own works, God, written form, will kill you as what boxing will kill a 65-year-old man that tries to box like Muhammad Ali by following everything Muhammad Ali does. If you want to do everything Lance Armstrong does, of the first four hours on a, mo on a bicycle as riding like Lance Armstrong, you'll get a heart attack and cycling will kill you, Lance will kill you. That is what I believe the scripture says when it says, and God killed them. And now I am so grateful for the scripture saying God killed them because every time God wrote that and inspired people to write that, He was telling them, tell these people about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that it's the ministration of death, that the good they behold will kill them. Glory to God. I, man, I feel like shouting. This is good news. Glory to God. This is good news. The Bible says in Genesis 6, let's go there. View, let me find the right thing now. There it is. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to behold. Man, I think the sound was too loud there. Genesis chapter 6, and let us just go to. Um, Verse 7, And the Lord God said, I will destroy man. There's Aleph Taf even, talking about the cross as well, Alpha Omega. Man whom I have created from the face of the earth, and I will destroy. What happened here? Why, why, why was God here? The Bible says, and I, mean, I don't have time to read everything, but just, just look at me. The Bible says, And man's heart became wicked, to the point that it was flooded with wickedness. That's what happened. And when their heart was flooded with wickedness, what is wickedness? I'll be my own God by beholding God. And they were so flooded with this, that all the fruit of the flesh was manifesting unto them, to the point where the world was flooded so much with this lost system bringing forth death, that God said, I, who I am, 
the, the, this me written down here, in their belief, they didn't have the written format yet, but in their belief, bringing forth this fruit of the flesh is going to destroy them from all over the earth. And God says, repent of this belief. But look, look, look at Noah. Noah didn't find in the eyes of God laws. He found grace. He found, let me, be, let me believe God. And what happened? He didn't die. Do you see that? Do you see the type in the shadow? And now we come to a further place where Christ has come and He incarnated that belief system of uh, where we were bound under Adam which was a man that forever had to live by beholding God and doing God. And then the God you do which is a perfect it is exactly His holiness, His righteousness is described in God. Now, but I'm now going to do this God and this way I'm not going to be the recipient of love but I'm going to be the creator of love and what will it do? God will kill me. I hope you hear what I say. In the meantime, God says, listen, don't let me kill you. Don't let me destroy you. I don't want to come to a place where I see that you guys have come to the place where I regret that I've made you. To the point where who I am in this jotting down in you following the ministration of death. To the where of I am a part in the sense of you grabbing me, abusing this truth by trying to be me in your own works. Where I regret that and you'll be wiped from the earth. That is called the wrath of God, which means God's passion for life. God's passion that says, I'll give you life for free. I don't want you to copy it. I'll give it to you, for you in your own ability cannot do it. Why will, why will Lance Armstrong or cycling or football or boxing kill you at an old age? Because of your inability to do it. The, foot, the purpose of a football team is not to get a 60-year-old lady to come and play football. The purpose of the football team is so that you can enjoy their victory. God's purpose with you was not that you will produce life. God's purpose with you was that you can enjoy His life. The moment you behold God and you want to do God, you are dead. God, God, do, bringing forth life by bringing forth life, you want to do God? That God thing will kill you. Cycling, like cycling will kill you. Like making money can kill people. Like uh, uh, athletics can kill people. Like an obsession with children can kill you. And so many things can kill you. Like politics can kill you. It can be a good thing, but it can also kill you. If you want to do it, if you're not made for that. We've not been made to be the root We've been made to be the branch wherein the root will bear its fruit. I hope you understand what I am saying. In the same way we can apply this logic to... Now I haven't read all verses in the Old Testament, but I just believe that the Lord has revealed something to me from where we will have more revelation seeing who God really is. Now, I'm going to end off with the penal substitution thing. And this week there was a great thing about it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to bring politics into our web church and into you guys, church politics, but listen to me. There were people, you know, thinking that I say that Jesus, spreading on the web, saying that you know, I was a disciple of a certain man and then I fell because I am now not believing that Jesus took my death. 
That's just blasphemy, man. It's lying. It's, it's just a lie trying to get the truth out of the way being used by Satan. That is all that it is. Did Jesus carry my death? Yes. Jesus carried my death. But what we do is we want to take the God, jot it down, and then the punishment of this, which is, if you can't do these things, then you will die. Why? Because this thing will kill you on account of your own ability. And now we say that the God over here, which is the, which is the one that gives life, comes and He takes a part of the Trinity, he puts it in here, inside the sin, because he is angry with sin, and he's angry with what man has done, and now he takes the punishment for this God will kill you. This God will not kill you. This God will kill you. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And now we want to mix this God into the truth and we blaspheme the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We break what God is trying to give us by saying, it it pleased the Lord to bruise Jesus. What does it mean when the Bible says it pleased the Lord to bruise him? Who does the bruising? Doesn't the Bible say and Satan will bruise your heel and you will bruise his head? How does the bruising take place? God in the Trinity in union with Father and Son they decided to in, in coherence with one another they went and brought forth a body inside Mary wherein which Satan could bruise and it pleased the Father, but it also pleased the Son. It pleased God, for God is a trinity. It pleased all of them to prepare a body inside Adam, to take Adam upon him and to have that body die. Not have God punish Adam because he has transgressed God's commandment. That is rubbish. That put, that's a lie about God that will leave you where that other lady was when, she, when her family was killed and she will say, how could you, God? And that is not a life of victory. Glory to God. I trust this has blessed you and set you free. We've come to the end of our service. And, um, you know, I want to thank you for watching this. And let this message be something that can bring life to your heart. Thank God for every verse in the Old Testament that says, God killed them. For it points to the good in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil inside the system of works then this good God will kill you. How loud must God shout out that you will die by trying to do God. You cannot do God. God comes and He brings you, 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 you cannot work God. It is impossible. You cannot do that. So what he's trying to, and that's why he was not ashamed in the Old Testament, I believe, to say all the time, and I will kill them. And the wrath of God, the passion of God, wherein this life is, wherein you will have life, was kindled. It means that these people came to a point where this God, this God they have, has become so hot in their abuse of this, that it produced a fire. Th this love, this love in God, killed them. Let me explain it. If I tell you, this is how you must love, and I take the love of God, and I give it as a law to you, in your trying to do that love, that love is going to destroy your life, my friend. It's going to kill you. That's why fire could come out from God and consume them. Because when does the love of God consume you and burn you to ashes? Is when you try to work that love. That, you will work yourself to death. 
That is how that love will kill you. But when we look at God from this side, He looks at this. This is one of the meanings of the word anger in the Old Testament. It means to breathe hard, to sigh. To say, oh, they are trying to do that God thing again and trying to be God by their own works and it will kill them. I, who I am, is going to kill them. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say and that doesn't confuse you. Thank you so much for watching this message. Um, you know, again, I want to just thank everybody that has sponsored us financially. I'm so grateful for everybody that has done that. Those of you that have never received Jesus, I want to pray with you um, to receive the Lord as your Savior today.